Sirius XM Radio presents, in conjunction with House of Athlete, I Am Athlete Tonight. I Am Athlete would like to send its condolences to Jalen Ferguson family and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Jalen Ferguson passed away last night at the early age of 26 at approximately 11.25 p.m. Tuesday night. Baltimore police said officers responded to a home in the northern district of the city where they found Ferguson unresponsive and being treated by medics. Ferguson never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead on the scene by medics, according to police. Jalen Ferguson was a third-round pick in 2019 by the Baltimore Ravens. Now, his close teammate, Patrick Queen, took the Twitter, and he's, he's clearly going through it. He was real close with Jalen Ferguson. He said, "This the last person I talked to leaving the facility spent almost every day in the sauna together trying to see who was going to last longer. Said it was our turn this year, man. I'm going to miss you, bro. Um, this is really a, a really tough situation. The Baltimore Ravens also put out a statement and said, we are profoundly saddened by the tragic passing of Jalen Ferguson. He was a kind, respectful young man with a big smile and infectious personality. We express our heartfelt condolences to Jalen's family and friends as we mourn a life loss much too soon. I mean, this this is a sad situation, uh, Adam Pacman Jones and, and, and Shady McCoy. I remember um, a day before my pro day, right? One of my college teammates passed out in a workout and died. He had a sickle cell trait, Eric Plancher. And, you know, losing a teammate at an early age, man, it's, it's tough to deal with, man. Somebody you spent so much time with, uh, like, honestly, man, and we, we say this all the time on the show, you spend more time with your teammates than you do your family, you know, while you're playing the game. You literally are with them eight to nine hours a day, sometimes 10 hours a day. In training camp, you're with them 24-7 almost, except for when you sleep. So, man, you know, losing, you know, a teammate, another brother in our fraternity at an early age, man, this is tough. Have either one of you guys lost a teammate while you were playing? Well, I mean, I know Adam, you uh, you know, Chris Henry was your college teammate, but you guys, yeah. you know, so um it, first of all, um my condolences go out to the family and, and the Baltimore Ravens. Um this is a young kid. No one wants to see this happen. Um it's it's a track situation and you never know when when the man upstairs is going to call you, man. That's why you know we we take this thing called life for granted and and don't forget I mean and forget about the little things man but um that's why we need to make sure we telling every everybody you know your kids your family that that you love them because you don't know man the, the world is crazy these days man but mm -hmm. I have had uh two of my teammates that that's done passed away while while I was playing football it's, it's a hard situation you know and um especially when 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 they're your guys you know what I mean when they're very close to you Chris Henry was was my best friend through college. We 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 made amends, pushed each other to to get to where we was uh, in the lead, and, and he passed away. Um, I also had a linebacker of mine who passed away um, at an early age. So it's hard, man. Um, it's a hard time for the family, the teammates, um, and you got to use your resources to get through it. Yeah, Shady, have you ever you lost a teammate while you were playing? Oh, you know what, hey, um, Pac-Man, I didn't know that um, you and Chris were so tight from um, from college. I knew that in the NFL, you guys were tight. So he just got drafted there. So you, you already know him now. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we was best oh. friends, best friends. Like, yeah. we was roommates as freshmen. Shay. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah so, so that, 
that it makes more that's why when i always story. say when i came to cincinnati that was my angel bringing me here you know what i mean because i had no plan in hell to be in cincinnati or plan for the Bengals. <laughs> Mm. But he was drafted. But he was drafted there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I never, I had like friends that lost their lives at a, at a young age, like high school, growing up. But I never had no real teammates. Uh, all, I'm sorry, I had one teammate in high school. He, he passed away. But I never had any um college or NFL um friends, you know. But that's tough, man. Just my condolences to to his family. You know, he's such a young kid, and and it's in this world, you know, like like Batman said, nothing's guaranteed, and we take this thing life for granted. You know, you think that tomorrow you just wake up in the morning or, or tonight you'll just go to sleep and it doesn't work like that. So uh, I think this is a, this is a lesson. And I, I think also we should just be aware of this. Um, you know, all the viewers and listeners out there, you know, never, every day, man, don't take it for granted because it could be your last. Literally. And, I, and I'd echo that theme, right? Um, we always, you know, are talking to our friends and, you know, there's days that we're busy and we get too busy to check on, our friends are, you say your strong friends, right? And you can't take that for granted, man. Reaching out to people when you can, you know, I've told this story, you know, Bebe, Demarius Thomas, I was real close with him. You know, we trained together in Atlanta before I moved back down to Florida for my first five, six years in the league. And I remember seeing him in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. And I was like, you know what, baby, it's been a while since we chopped it up. You know, I need to stay in contact with you. I need to do a better job. And I didn't follow through on that. Right. And I'll never get that chance because he's not here with us. No that's more. tough. That's that's funny that you said that me and baby had an unbelievable relationship. Yeah. And I had a chance to talk to him probably about a month before he passed away. And he was in the Rolls Royce and I seen him like, damn, bro, look like you back to yourself. He was joking around and everything. He's like, yeah, man, I am. It's just some things I can't control. And I, he was talking about the seizures thing, seizure mm-hmm. um, things that he was going through. But. Yeah, man. Um, this thing, life, man, is precious, man. That's why we gotta make sure we're taking care of our body and souls, and like like we said earlier, showing our loved ones that we love them. Yeah, and it, it was also a, a really tough day for the Ravens organization. Uh, T- Tony Saragusa passed away at fifty five today. Um, Goose, his his uh, 01 championship teammate Sam Adams um, put out a statement said it was an honor and privilege. To line up next to Tony Saragusa, he made the game fun and was a true competitor. Our D-line room was special on and off the field. May he rest easy and may God bless and keep his family. And his former teammate, Ray Lewis, also put out a statement and said, this is a tough one. I love Goose like a brother. We should never put off tomorrow for what we can do today. Hug your loved ones for Goose. We were all so blessed that God gave us that time together celebrating our 2000 team a few weeks ago to the Saragusa family. We have lost a great man, but God has gained a great angel. May they be blessed, held, and comforted by the peace he brought to everyone who encountered him. Tony Saragusa, again, passing at the age of 55. And the one thing I really remember about Goose is when he made that transition into the broadcast world, right? I love that he was just, to me, I don't know if you remember the shade, but he he was the first guy I can remember that made a transition from the NFL to being a broadcaster, but was truly himself. Right. Because, you know, back then there was always a formula you had to, you know, you know, had to be a certain type of guy, talk a certain type of way. But Tony Saragusa was just unapologetically himself on the sideline. They Like they never had him on the booth, but he would always be on the sideline and they would throw it down to him on the sideline. He was just having fun like he would on the field, man. So, like, I always, you know, really, you know, took to Saragusa, you know, as I was trying to make this transition, because I was like, he was one of the first guys to be himself, right? Now it's normal to be yourself as a broadcaster, but I think he was one of the forefathers of, you know, always being yourself and making everything your own as a broadcaster. So 
man, it's, it's just tough. Cause even 55 is a young age to be gone. He's gone way too soon, man. So that's, that's tough, man. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's an all time uh, Pittsburgh great, you know, mm-hmm. my, my, my short time in Pittsburgh, I got a chance to meet him there and we just gained a nice uh, relationship, friendship, like an older mentor type of vet. And he was always great, man. He always talked about preparing myself for after the game, right? You, you hope to have a long career, but this game is is, is, is quick. It's not for long. Mm. So I remember just, dang, man, just talking to him all the time. And just he was such a great person. Great, great personality, though. I think most big guys and, and dudes, um, you know, don't get offended. But most big guys don't have the personality like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what you trying to say? Because <laughs> you're a very big guy. But, but Goose, he had that, that personality that just light up the room. Yeah. You know? So, man, that's, that's a tough one for myself, too, man. Yeah, man. It's tough, tough day for the Ravens. Tough for, you know, Jalen Ferguson's family and also Terry, Tony Saragusa's family. You definitely want to send our condolences from my, a, uh, I am athlete to, to both of those families and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, gone too soon, Jalen Ferguson and Tony Saragusa. Hear in-depth analysis of the NBA Finals with Danny Green on Inside the Green Room, a SiriusXM podcast. Super happy for Steph, super happy for Clay. you know, coming back to examine the rest of those guys, even young guys that never got a chance to experience it. Uh, obviously, Draymond has been a big part of that. They've had a great group and kept it together for so long, and that's a big key that you don't see often in this league at all, and that's why they had the experience and why they had the foundation and why they've been so successful up until this point still. Inside the Green Room, download it now on the SXM app or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to I Am Athlete Tonight. I am your host, Lee J. Doosable, with my guys, Adam Pacman Jones and LaShawn Shady McCoy. And fellas, there's a lot going on in the NFL today. Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder conducted shadow investigations to bury findings of the official probe into the Commanders organization. We're going to bring in friend and ins- insider of our show, Amy Dash, who is the Odyssey legal insider and founder of LeagueofJustice.com. Amy, make sense of all of this for all our our listeners. Well, today there was a hearing on Capitol Hill, and it was run by a committee that asked voluntarily Roger Goodell and Daniel Snyder to come and answer questions. Now, usually it starts with a voluntary, please show up. So Roger Goodell showed up and he answered questions and he made a statement condemning the toxic workplace that took place uh, in the Washington Commanders Clubhouse. But what happened now is that Daniel Snyder did not show up. So today from the hearing, the representative said that 460,000 documents have been handed over by the NFL to Congress. They're conducting their own investigation. They've found, or at least they're accusing Daniel Snyder of conducting this shadowy investigation where he was compiling dossiers on some of the women and the cheerleaders that were making accusations against the team. He was sending out private investigators, which some of the cheerleaders have told me actually happened to, they believe, try to intimidate them, to offer them hush money. And so now the representative said, well, she believes that he skipped out on the hearing to go dock his yacht somewhere and she's going to subpoena him and use the legal powers of the committee in Congress to compel him to come and answer questions. Wow. So you're saying that they can subpoena, you know, Daniel Snyder and make him come answer those questions because he didn't show up today. Yeah, but he can try to fight that. So in order for a subpoena to be valid, it has to serve a legitimate and a valid legislative purpose. So it has to be relevant to Congress and to the laws that they make. 
And so, you know, he can argue and go to court and contest it and say, I don't have to show up because Congress has no, uh, there's no reason for Congress. They have no authority to be meddling in the private corporate affairs of what goes on inside an NFL club. Right. Amy, come on now. Let me ask you a question. You know how big these bosses play over here. And, and these are the, these are the guys now and they have the best lawyers. Do you really think that's that's going to happen? Well, I think, listen, he obviously turned his nose up at the request, right? Because he just, he didn't show up. So if he's already resisting, then he's probably going to have his lawyers try to challenge a subpoena. Because if you listen to the hearing today, I mean, they've, the Democrats, at least that were, that were leading that hearing have already made up their mind that he's guilty. I mean, there was some really sharp rhetoric. There were Republicans saying, what the hell is going on here? What are we doing here? There's baby formula shortages. There's issues of national (laughs) importance going on. One guy said there's tampon shortages. There's immigration concerns. There's just crazy things going on in the world. Why are we using Congress's hearing powers to uh, talk about the Washington commanders? Doesn't make sense. So that's going to actually go in his favor, because if he goes to a judge and says, listen, there's no real legitimate legislative purpose here. He can use the testimony from the Republicans today that are saying, why are you doing this right now? This is a Democratic ploy to distract from things going on in the Biden administration that you don't want to address. So he can use that political playing card to say there's no legislative valid purpose for the inquiry. Now, on the other side of the aisle, uh, Maloney and some of the Democrats said, no, 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 wait, there is a legislative purpose here because this affects workplaces across America. What goes on and what's tolerated by the NFL trickles down to influence employers and employees all across the country because they feel if you can get away with it in the NFL and it can be hidden, then it's okay for everybody else. So they've introduced two new laws to protect people from workplace harassment. And they're going to say that they actually have legislation on the table that's relevant to this inquiry. Now, now, Amy, quick question for you. So now this is just strictly like um, a civil matter right now, right? Yes. So this is a civil matter. Okay. So um, with the authorities like the police and et cetera, um, did they surpass that or it, it never got to that level? Just trying to. And, and, and I wondered why, because I once I had spoken to some of the cheerleaders and I asked them, why hasn't there been a criminal investigation, especially with right. the allegations of the pornography there were accusations that at Daniel Snyder's direction, there were nude videos taken of the cheerleaders without their consent while they were changing uh, in between takes of some sort of a swimsuit calendar or video. And that those videos of their nude body parts were then circulated to other people within the organization, including Dan Snyder. And that there was some sort of a soundtrack to Dan Snyder's favorite hits that paired with the video. So I said, why, why hasn't there been a criminal investigation into like revenge porn. People think of revenge porn as like, oh, I was dating somebody and we had a falling out. And then I took nude videos and pictures from our relationship and I put it all over the internet. But revenge porn can also encompass, you know, any type of non-consensual sharing uh, through electronic means of somebody's nudity. You don't have to be in a relationship with that person. And the cheerleader said, we'd love there to be a criminal investigation, but um, it's unclear, you know, whether anybody filed any criminal complaints and and why not. So, so, well, the reason why I'm asking that, right, because um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with me, Brandon and Deuce, and it was more just, there's always like a a civil case, not all the time, I shouldn't say all the time, but a lot of times there's a civil case um, where I guess the police do their due diligence 
and it goes past that, right? And then it goes to civil. And it seems like the NFL tries to be tries to do more than what the police already did from investigators yeah. to whoever it is. And I'm just yeah. trying to figure out like why is it that the, the NFL goes beyond the, the actual police yeah. right when it but when it becomes a civil case where these people if they were wrong yeah. if they thought they, they were done wrong or something you know against them whatever it is right assaulted a certain way they don't go to the police but they go to civil or if they do go to police and the police check everything out like the Deshaun Watson situation um he had a, a, a case right they, they did all the diligence and everything on investigators uh, interviewing the people the victims and etc and they let him go and then it became civil and the NFL are, are still trying to do like their own police work can you explain to me and the viewers like why that is why they do that i'm just curious to know yeah yeah pac-man did you have something that oh yeah i was gonna tell i'll, I'll get into it I, hold on before you go amy i was gonna tell shady um what what you're saying there right but what you mean is so when one of us get in trouble not none of the owners or the the guys that's running the circle the NFL is very quick to go and do their whole due diligence and mm. pick up every the NFL investigate more than the police investigate in the little you. Parlors. You're yes. right about that. They in, they investigate you more than the police investigate you when you're not an owner. Now, when you're an owner, the, it's flipped. Now, the reason why it's it's it's, it's not in in criminal court is it's nowhere they'll win a criminal case with bringing this up from back then. Now, the money-wise, it's all about the money, Shady. It's all about the money. For us, it's about taking the money when we do something wrong. You get what I'm saying? And on the flip end, it's about getting the money. Yeah. Yeah, so Amy, go ahead and break, break so that down. So I, uh, you guys are going to love me because a couple <laughs> years ago when everything went on with Ezekiel Elliott, I actually wrote an editorial about this, condemning the NFL creating its own criminal court. Mm. I think it's right. absolutely ridiculous i think it deprives people of the protections of the criminal justice system which is being found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt having an opportunity to put on your own defense uh having an opportunity to contest evidence so what they're doing is they're basically conducting their own criminal investigation and they're adjudging guilt and convicting people of crimes within the context of the NFL and their own private investigators and team, which I think is absurd, it's ludicrous. I've been vocal for years about that they should not be in the business of uh, investigating potential criminal activity and making their own determinations because really what they do is they convict people in a public forum. So like with Deshaun Watson, and they're gonna go in and they're gonna say, uh, okay, well, we've got a neutral arbitrator. She's gonna examine the evidence. Uh, she's a former federal judge, but you don't have a jury there. You don't have a, a real like adversarial system where he could put on a proper defense. So if she comes out and says, well, I'm just making this up, like in five of the cases, let's take the most serious ones where you're being accused of forcing oral sex. Um, I think you did that. The, the evidence supports that you did that. And you're going to and even if she doesn't make that, that determination. Yeah, she's 
and Sam, the implication is he did it. Right? He's getting disciplined for it. He's getting punished for it. So now everybody thinks he's guilty of doing those things, but he hasn't been criminally charged and he hasn't been criminally convicted. But now he has been by the NFL and its investigators. So he's been publicly mm. criminally convicted. And I disagree with it. I think the criminal justice system fails victims constantly because, uh, you know, if a prosecutor doesn't think that they can win a case, even if, if they believe the victim, they won't bring that case a lot of times if there's troubles with the evidence. Sometimes it's the right thing to do. Sometimes it's the wrong thing to do. So I don't agree with the corruption in the criminal justice system, but I still don't think a better alternative is for the NFL to make its own criminal justice system. Amy, I was just wanted to say it's the same thing when we have a fine. <laughs> you guess who, who, who get to decide the fine? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. When we get suspended, guess who get to decide? Hey, how many games you get? It's mm. no, it's no jury, it's no justice, it's it's nothing in that system when it comes to the NFL. I love Mr. Goodell, um, for what he, what he did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it it changed my life mentally, be mentally. But um, it's no no like whatever he feels is the root. Mm. Well, they have Regardless, a new system now. They have a new system that actually is in favor of the players a little bit. So they have a new arbitrator. Now, if the arbitrator decides no suspension, the NFL can't go in and change that. Mm. The player wins. Okay. There's no suspension. Goodell, the NFL, they can't go in and contest it. If the arbitrator decides suspension, NFL and Goodell can come in and change the number of games. So if she decides like the evidence is problematic in a lot of the cases and there won't be a suspension in like 10 of the 20 cases or 24 cases, that's it. Deshaun doesn't get suspended in those cases. There's no changing that. So that's in favor of the players. at least. Well, what I I was uh, replying to is like, as far as in trouble with the NFL, like we was talking about Deshaun. Oh yeah. Situation, but I'm just saying, Hey, uh, tomorrow somebody say, you know what I mean? I stepped on a shoe. Um, the NFL is going to critique me and build up the case before I even go to court. And I'm going to have to go back to Goodell to figure out, hey, look, do I deserve to get spent for a game or not? Blase yeah. this, blase that. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. This is I Am Athlete tonight. I am your host, Lee J. Doosable, with my guys, Adam Peck, Man Jones, and LaShawn Shady McCoy. And we're talking to Amy Dash, Odyssey legal insider and founder of LeagueofJustice.com about what's going on with Daniel Snyder's, the Washington commander's owner, and the shadow investigation to bury findings of the official probe into the commander's organization. So pushing this conversation forward, Amy, um, mm-hmm. I believe, you know, Roger Goodell testified today, said he has no authority to remove Snyder, right? We just talked about it. Um, There's no criminal, I believe, no criminal charges brought up against um, Daniel Snyder. Is there something where the owners could get together because of all the backlash the Washington commanders have gotten and potentially vote him off the, you know, the ownership board? Yeah. And what will happen is, um, you know, the NFL's hired Mary Jo White, a former U.S. attorney, to investigate the latest claims that a cheerleader said Snyder himself sexually assaulted and harassed her. So she was the same person that investigated Jerry uh, Richardson uh, for the Panthers. So after that report and investigation came out, he decided to voluntarily sell the team. So something similar could happen where there's a damning report. There's a recommendation in the report by this investigator that the team ownership be stripped from Snyder. But then what happens is if he doesn't want to voluntarily sell the team, 
Goodell has to make a recommendation to the owners, which he would probably base on Mary Jo White's report if, in fact, she recommends that. And he would say to the owners, I recommend that you vote on whether to strip him of his ownership. And then you need two thirds vote the majority, basically, of the owners. So on the one hand, the owners want to protect themselves from having their ownership titles stripped just based on accusations. Right. So they don't want to be quick to deprive someone of ownership because it could happen to them. And there's a lot of money at stake. But at the same time, I made this comparison today. It's kind of like Survivor, the show. At some yeah. point, you're going to protect people until you need to eat them, right? Because, <laughs> because your survival depends on it. So I think they don't want to look bad. So if the allegations and the evidence to support them reach a certain level and it comes out in the public, they'll probably vote to remove him if he doesn't sell the team. I like that line, Amy. You know, sometimes you got to protect people until you need to eat them. That's definitely tweetable. Uh, Amy, we thank you for stopping by and talking to us and making sense of all what's going on in the NFL today. Make sure you guys follow Amy on Twitter. She's a great follow on Amy Dash. I believe your Twitter name is Amy Dash, right? Amy Dash TV. Amy Dash TV. Great Twitter follow. Make sure you follow her. Thanks again, Amy, for stopping by. You never know who'll step inside the green room with Danny Green. One of the premier bus drivers of the 90s, one Mr. Charles Barkley. Listen, Kevin Durant's a terrific player, but he had a chance to be the bus driver, and he's never won a championship when he wasn't one of the other guys. And I was just trying to make the point, hey, you don't get to make excuses when you don't win. That's just the way it is. Listen, subscribe, and review Inside the Green Room with Danny Green on Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. This is I Am Athlete. Tonight, I am your host, Lijay Dusbull. With my guys, Brandon Marshall, LaShawn Shady McCoy, and Adam Pac-Man Jones. And we were talking about what each team should do as far as trading for a player to help them get over the top this season. And now we push it forward to Torrey Smith saying, Ricky Dinners are BS. Now, Torrey Smith, you know, went on social media and was saying he was glad he had an OG, a vet like Aquan Bolden that told him mm-hmm. that Ricky Dinners are unnecessary. This is what he said. He said, Ricky Dinners are BS. I'm glad I had an OG that realized teaching me to blow money is stupid. It does not prove you belong on a team. Shout out to Aquan Bolden. Uh, uh, Smith also noted that NFL rookies are equipped to suddenly be, aren't equipped to suddenly become millionaires and a supportive veteran teammate would help those rookies learn about smart financial management not stupid practices like dinners that cost more than a nice car. Uh, Tory Smith said dudes come into the league with no financial literacy and real problems, but folks think 50 K dinners are cool. Nah. So I want to, uh, you know, ask, you know, Shady McCoy, what were your rookie responsibilities? Did you have to, you know, spend on a big, big rookie dinner, your, your rookie year? What you think? No. <laughs> I ain't know why. Hold on. you spending hey. money. Hey, dudes, you know why? Why? Because he won the first round. <laughs> mm, he I'm, got I'm the cool. cheap tab. You know what I mean? We don't, hey, we don't put the big tabs on the third rounders and the second rounders. Well, I made one point one point six. I was I'm cool with that. Um, you know, I had I had a good a good uh mentor, older running back by Brian Westbrook. Yeah. Um, you know, he he taught me, hey, look, man, we don't gotta blow money to have a good time. You know, I had a nice little dinner. I probably spent about a thousand bucks. Okay. Um, yeah, that's not and bad. I was what about duties? You had to do anything? Like I know snacks and stuff doing yeah, training. So, you know, I, Did I y'all all chip in chip in, Shady? I would get Popeyes, you know, I would get famous okay. days, like a barbecue spot. I did things like that. I might, you know, grab some pads here and there. Um, that was really it, you know, but that probably lasted about three weeks. You know, I'm <laughs> 
So you're so doing the whole season is what you say. Once I got familiar with everything, you know, the, the players, the people, the, the coaches, you know, them job duties are over. Can I ask you something? Did y'all have a like a offensive dinner that you, all you guys went to? Nah, well, we did. I, I didn't go to that, but we did have that. So, like, <laughs> Philadelphia, that's like, Why that's you like the go? home team for me. Why I'm you from the area, so, so I, it was like home being at home. You know, I kind of was more stuck into just practice, work, you know, working out and going back home. I didn't really entertain with all that. So, like, my second, third year, I started really being part of the team. I was a rookie. I was 20 years old. I was young, right? I went to school for two years, not four or five, you know? So, I was just accustomed to going back home, you know? So you wasn't really hanging out. Hold on, Shady, you went to Juco. What the hell are you talking about? I didn't go to Juco. Sorry, I didn't go to Juco. What school did you go to after college? I I went to prep school. I went to prep school in high school. Same freaking thing. It's not the same thing. Prep school, two years of college. That's three years of college, practically. Right. I mean, you went went five and a half, four and a half. Who, who, me? Yeah. Oh, no, I left early. Yeah, Pac left early. I'm I'm asking, I'm asking. Pim Pim, I turned 21 when I left. Pim Pim. Pim Pim. Back, man, why don't you tell a story time? Yeah, what did you have to do as a first round pick? Did you have to do a rookie dinner? Man, I was a sucker. I ain't going to tell y'all no lie. They got me for everything. Keith Bullock is the <laughs> biggest dickhead in the world. Um, I think I spent $36,000 on wow. the, the rookie dinner. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and, but you know what else, though? I never had to go and get food before we got on the planes because I paid for for the defensive. It was a defensive dinner. Oh so, yeah, thirty six thousand. You shouldn't have to do nothing. Yeah, but that was the that was, that was the routine in 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 Tennessee. Tennessee. Was the first round draft pick either on offense or defense take that group out to eat. You get what I'm saying? And which was a write off. Like and certain guys are like, oh, I ain't do this. I ain't do this. Hey, dumbass, it's a write off. So stop trying to act <laughs> like you're so strong and. So mighty because you didn't take the team out, or it looked like you blowing money here or blowing money there. Guys, you need stuff to write off. It was a good team, uh, uh, camaraderie. Um, it was good for the group, and I enjoyed it too. Quickly, B Marshall, what, what were your rookie duties? Nothing, <laughs> yeah, do nothing, bro. No, I just you know, little things, man. Bring the some. I had a, I had a, a great OG, Rod Smith, bring the sunflower seeds, you know, was, bring some. What you gonna make a box, bro? <laughs> you trash. <laughs> hey, the funny part, y'all should ask Mike Jink what I made him spend his rookie year. You know what I mean? Oh, Since Lord. they got me, oh my god, we was in. What you get him for? Eighty-two thousand dollars. Oh my god, See, he's that's celebrating. Are you, are you, are you proud about that? Problem. He happy. Look at him. He's laughing. That he man can't even get that money back, right. man. That's right. Like, write all that off either. It is a write-off, bro. You should. You, you should surprise him, Pat, because you got all these new deals coming in, <laughs> right? You balling, right? So you nobody surprise him and, and send him like twenty thousand. Like man, nobody. You know what? Nobody surprised me. <laughs> I am Athlete Tonight is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. Support I Am Athlete Tonight with a five-star rating and by leaving a review. That's a big deal, guys. Stop being lazy. Pick up your phones and leave a review and give us a five-star rating. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Want more? Catch the full two hours of I Am Athlete Tonight weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash IAA Tonight Trial.
to start your free trial today. Serious XM Podcasts.